Welcome back, creeps. Hey, y'all. Here are my hands. Welcome back to all our... Well, all the OGs, all our day oneers, but also welcome to all the new people who might be checking us out. Um, converts from the real-life ghost stories thread. And if, you know, whatever, if you're here, we love you all dearly. How are you this week? I'm good. I think my allergies are starting to act up. Yeah, I think everybody's been like a bit sniffly the last few days. Mm. We're both feeling, well, I'm feeling pretty zen. We just came from a meditation not that we long ago. We did. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited to for you to experience the guided meditations for next time. We oh, went to yeah. a sound bath meditation this time, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but you know what? Now that you say that, I usually do guided meditations, mm. like on just like YouTube videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why my brain just like ran amok. Mm. I'm wondering if maybe like if we like for me, I like guided meditations are great for when I'm feeling chaotic. Yeah. There's just a lot of chaos going on, whether it's like internally or externally. Mm-hmm. Um, but like sound bath meditations i feel like usually pack a greater punch after doing yoga yeah i can definitely see the benefit but yeah i def i think my brain was just a little bit too uh yeah chaotic is probably the, mm-hmm. the nicest word for it. um but yeah that's why we're in our comfy fits i've got my nice stephen king sweatshirt on because it's like nice and cold out yeah it's the raining. temperature dropped yeah which is weird it's a great day this week I had a different episode planned and we did it, we recorded it and mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, it fell flat or something like that. I'm still going to put it out on Patreon because it's like definitely a fun one, mm-hmm. but it was just like, hmm, this it, isn't it right now. It it didn't have the usual flow. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe the, the cadence of it was Yeah, it was definitely different. like a weird structure as well. Yeah. But we did get some nice messages from new listeners and past listeners, but... From just like some friends as well recently and they were saying that they really enjoy like the you know what we recommend kind of thing yeah so this week i was really into uh the x-files i had never seen the x-files before so i think i'm in like seven episodes or something right now yeah and i will keep watching it because it's very good mm. very cool and like already like in the first few episodes i was like wait a minute like this is already hitting certain weird areas that I've covered for this recently. And I'm like, I know this isn't real, but this is very close to home. right? Now. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? So, yeah, that's been very cool. And other than that, like listening wise, a lot of Queens of the Stone Age this week. I've noticed. Which is different for me. I'm a big fan of Mark Lanigan, the cigarette smoking singer who passed away last year. He like is featured on Queens of the Stone Age quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I also really appreciate, like, other listeners recommending songs because that's what happened last week after, like, I said, oh, listen to this and this. I got other people saying, like, you should also check these guys out because they're pretty cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I do love that. Yeah, what have you been up to this week? I have been enjoying, uh, well, before this, like, I was in a sort of uh, Bridge City Sinners phase. And right now I'm listening to a lot of Melanie Martinez since she dropped her new album. Mm. And we're actually going to go see her when she comes into town. I'm going to take my nieces to their first concert ever. Nice. And it's a good one because um, when she dropped her K-12 album, I went to go see her by myself. 
And I was just like, this is a fucking performance. Because when she dropped that album, she also dropped a movie mm. that went with it. Yeah, I remember that. It was like choreographed and all this other stuff. And like, man, it was a really cool fucking movie. And she essentially like brought all the props, all of that stuff that was like in the movie and just did the whole thing on stage. And nice. it worked. Yeah. It was really good. So I'm really excited to see what she's going to do this time. And I'm really glad that the girls are going to like see Experience like that with you, S tiered like. concert <laughs> quality for the first time. Um, and then, you know, um, I kind of want to get stuck into Billie Eilish music <laughs> yeah. because like the more I've been exposed to it, the more I'm like, man, this is really good fucking music. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like I kind of just like assumed that her music would be like Taylor, like old Taylor Swift or something. I don't know why. I mean, Maybe it's she's like it's a like, young pop star. Like it's not yeah. exactly our... Well, see, like we're that's, not the demographic, <laughs> right? So, like to me, because I grew up in the night, like early two thousands, I have an idea of what pop music is. Yeah, yeah. So when people say pop star, that's where my mind references, like that kind of music, like mm -hmm. Backstreet Boys, old Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like um, Cisco and all that shit. Even though, anyways, um, to me, that's pop. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but man, like if this is pop, like Sign now, me up. Yeah, I'm yeah. fucking digging it. And <laughs> and you know, like Melanie Martinez is pop music, and, yeah. but it's good fucking music. Yeah, I think uh I mean we're getting way off now, but yeah, like just pop music has a bad name for itself. It's not actually all that bad. And a lot of the time with hindsight, you look back at like chart music and you're like, actually that song went fucking hard. Like, whatever it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Anyway. And, and like, watching. Oh, I guess I'm not really watching anything. <laughs> yeah, you don't, though. Really. No. You're, like, I, balls I, deep in the game right yeah, now. Yeah, like, I, I'm still fucking chipping away at Persona 5 Royal. But I'm, on, I'm at the last palette. Palette. I'm at the last <laughs> palace. Um, and I still have... Um, the new Pokemon to play. Mm -hmm. But because I know that one's going to be a whopper of a fucking game, just like this one is, I kind of want to do like a small indie game in between. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like I'm just in these long, long-term relationships with these games these days. You know who else is playing that? Uh, Palace Ro Persona Royale? Royal. One of our Australian listeners, right? Yeah, actually, yeah, Ebony. Who, by the way, I can't remember now whether it was... I woke up to two or three messages... Which isn't a like an everyday thing or anything, but whoever shouted out or let me know that Pearl Jam announced their uh, North American tour. Thank you very much. That was very cool. Um, but no, Henry Zabrowski is also playing. Playing. Oh, is he now? Yeah, yeah. you know my my friend Henry. <laughs> anyway, have you got a card for us? Uh, sure do. I this is sure the tarot card section of the episode for do. the new listeners. Yeah, today's card is the Eight of Wands. Today's message is take time to set clear intentions today. Whatever you put your energy into will take off like a rocket. If your intentions are unclear, you could find yourself in a situation you'd rather not be in. But if you are focused and intentional, the universe will give you a big helping hand. So I was thinking about this one. I was like, 
because um I was trying to remember I was like when I when I pull these cards you know like the minor arcana and I'm like I know there's a correlation between numbers and the suit and wands is like fire the suit of action uh getting shit done and stuff like that man you know like yeah. that kind of like manifesting things and then I remember that there is the the number of the card is also important, which is number eight. And then I was like, this card is making sense to me because the number eight is the number of manifestation. So like I know if people are into numerology, which is a really good tool to learn if you're trying to learn tarot, is uh, the suit and the number is important together. But the reason why I remembered number eight in particular is because you're an eight. You're considered to be a number eight. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was telling you this a while back. And I was telling you that's pretty cool that you're a number eight because, again, like people who are eights, um, they it's easier for them to manifest what it is that they want as long as they can focus, which is one of the things, uh. <laughs> one of the things that eights can struggle with. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why like the message today made a lot of sense. It's like today is a day to get shit done because it will get done and the universe is going to give you that helping hand today. Oh, thanks, universe. Anyways, so today I say that all to say is like you have two specific elements here that are like ideal yeah. for you. Like if, if there's something that you've been putting on the back burner, today is the day to do that. Because you got your eights and you got your wands. I got my eights and I got my wands and I am ready. Okay, go for it. Okay, before we get stuck into this week's episode, though, I have an itchy nose. I am going to shout out our friend Lexi. Okay, so I'm just going to read this because Lexi has a blog called OctoberAllYear.com. She's long time, like literally since day one, she's been super supportive of Weekly Creep and all of our endeavors and she's just lovely so i told her she just started like a newsletter with her website so i told her let me read this out and if anybody's interested go and join she does very cool stuff lexi uses her blog octoberallyear.com as well as her instagram octoberallyear underscore to combine her love of all things spooky photography and travel with stories primarily located in the south she lives in savannah one of America's most haunted cities. She shares spooky stories from all over the country. Some are well-known haunts, while others are lesser known, with plenty of deep dives as well as personal experiences. But I can attest to her, the work that she does, like she is very detailed. I've actually used um, a couple of her posts for episodes that we've done in the past. I can't remember which ones exactly, like offhand except for the Sorrel Weed House, which may or may not have been a Patreon episode. I actually can't remember. But you all should definitely go check her out. Very cool. Even just aesthetically, I like having her on my Instagram. You know what I mean? The photos that she posts are very, very cool. And now I'm going to start the episode. Okay. Welcome back to another spine-tingling episode of, quote, Weekly Creep. Tonight we delve into the darkest corners of the human psyche, exploring the macabre and the mysterious. From haunted houses to unsolved mysteries, we bring you the most terrifying tales from around the world. On tonight's episode, we will be taking a deep dive into the disturbing case of the black-eyed children. What are they? 
And why do they seek out unsuspecting victims in the dead of night? Are they the product of urban legend or something far more sinister? Join us as we uncover the truth behind these eerie encounters. But that's not all. We'll also be investigating the haunted asylum of St. Agnes where countless patients met their untimely demise. Will our team of paranormal investigators be able to survive the night and capture evidence of the supernatural? Question mark. So grab your popcorn, turn down the lights, and get ready for a night of heart-pumping terror. This is Weekly Creep. <laughs> According to AI... Mm. who doesn't actually know what Weekly Creep is. We're not uh, big no enough. no wonder. I was like, why the fuck did you say, quote, Weekly Creep? I'm like, no, we are <laughs> Weekly Creep. What the fuck? <laughs> From here on out, this week's episode has been written completely by the machine. Yay. Oh, and it's macabre. What did I say? Macabre. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Whatever. Corn on the macabre. That's what we were going to name our podcast, yeah. Porn on the Macabre. So, apparently it's another podcast. Yeah, we're too late. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know how everybody feels about AI. Personally, I was like straight up just, no, I'm not into this at all. It brings me back to the Simpsons episode where Pierce Brosnan was the OS of the house that Marge moves oh, into. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That ended badly. And I feel like this is going to end badly too. Then I was listening to Blind Boy, who we all love and cherish. Hail Blind Boy. Hail Blind Boy, yeah. <laughs> well, he was actually saying he uses it to help him, like, visualize things. And, like, he'll ask you questions like, what would happen if, you know, this scenario unfolded? And then he'll use that to, like, work into his story. Or, like, huh. if he gets to a point where he's, like, can't see a, a, an outcome in a story that he's writing, he'll go to chat GPT gbt and ask that that's pretty cool because it's like if you want a different perspective that you can't possibly fathom obviously yeah yeah and yeah. it literally gives you opinions it's very strange i keep thanking it like when i'm talking to it because i feel like i'm talking to like yeah customer service do you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's what i do to google yeah and so <laughs> i purposefully then will like go out of my way to not be like rude or anything, but I'll just be like blunt. I'll be like, no, wait, this is a machine. It's yeah. an app. Anyway, this week we have a collection of stories that started in my brain. Okay. But came out of my iPad. I don't know if we're ever going to do this again, to be honest. I'm kind of curious. I just wanted to do it as an exercise. I love it. I and love as it. well, it kind of goes back to the creepypasta episodes that everybody loved. Like we've still, we get like, messages saying like please do another creepypasta episode <laughs> but to be honest i feel a little bit bad because a lot of them are hilariously bad but i don't think they're meant to be and then i'm like oh no am i just laughing at this kid's work yeah so that's why we haven't done one since because mm. i'm like if i put out a short story and somebody was reading it on a podcast and just being like ah, ha, 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 you're terrible yeah advertisement anyway so here goes the first one the Amityville Horror House had been abandoned for many years. The house was infamous for the horrific murders of the DeFeo family that took place there in 1974. The place was said to be cursed and haunted, and many people avoided it at all costs. However, there was one person who was not afraid of the house, and that was the Mothman. Oh. So this is Mothman solves or investigates the Amityville House. Shut up! Yeah. Now I tried to write this, I tried to make it write this story from the perspective that Mothman had actually committed the murders and then come back to replace Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, but um, wow. it doesn't let you do violent 
stories. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's a lot. Of, like, it also won't let you write erotica, <laughs> which I found out. <laughs> <laughs> the Mothman had been investigating paranormal activity for many years. He was known for his bravery and his ability to solve even the most complex cases. When he heard about the Amityville Horror House, Horror House, he knew that he had to investigate it. He was so determined to solve the mystery of the house and put an end to the rumours that surrounded it. As he arrived at the house, he felt a chill run down his spine. The place was in a state of disrepair, and there was an eerie silence that hung over it. The Mothman knew that this was going to be one of the toughest cases yet. <laughs> he spent the next few days investigating the house, studying every detail, and trying to find any clues that would help him solve the mystery. However, he found nothing out of the ordinary. The house was just like any other old house, and there was no sign of any paranormal activity. Just when the Mothman was about <laughs> to give up, he heard a strange noise coming from the basement. He cautiously made his way down the stairs, and what he saw there made him gasp in horror. <gasps> that actually took my... <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I was thinking, how, how do you know it doesn't let you write erotica? Did you try to have it write the script for your rubber fist movie? We'll get there. <laughs> I just would have thought thought it would have been funny if the Mothman, the Mothman, the had, had made a, a, an encounter <laughs> along his way. The walls were covered in strange symbols and there were strange voices coming from the darkness. The Mothman knew that he had stumbled upon something truly terrifying. He knew that he had to act fast if he wanted to solve the mystery of the Amityville Horror House. He spent the next few days studying the symbols and deciphering the voices. He realized that the house was haunted by a powerful demon. And that it had been controlling the minds of the people who had lived there. With this new information, the Mothman began to conduct a ritual that would banish the demon from the house. It was a dangerous and complicated process, but he was confident that he could succeed. As he began to recite the incantations, he felt a sudden surge of power coursing through his body. The ritual lasted for hours, and when it was over, the Mothman collapsed on the floor, exhausted. He wasn't sure if he had succeeded, but when he looked around, he saw that the house was no longer dark and foreboding. The symbols had disappeared and the strange voices had stopped. The Mothman knew that he had done it. He had solved the mystery of the Amityville Horror House. From that day on, the house was no longer considered to be haunted and it was eventually sold to a new family who lived there happily for many years. The Mothman had cemented his place in paranormal history as a true hero. He had proven himself to be a worthy investigator and had solved one of the most complex cases in the world of the paranormal. People still talk about the Mothman and his bravery to this day <laughs> and true. his legacy lives on as a beacon of hope and courage for all who investigate the unknown. That is so lit. I love that. Yeah, but I, I love it and I hate it at the same time because they it actually had no information to it. You know? No, I get it. No, I love it because it's like those, like we can spitball so many ideas That's to this the thing. fucking yeah, thing. Yeah. And they can just like, because it's like, okay, well, and now what? Like I had this idea and now what? Like, and yeah. then what happens? And, and then what, what happens? Happened. And yeah, what yeah. would happen if this happened? Yeah. It's interesting. Love it's it. about to get more interesting. Um, also doesn't let you, uh, you know what this is good for stoner thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's the other scary thing is like, 
So stoner thoughts are great when you're sitting around in a room full of stoner friends. Yeah. And you're just bouncing back and forth like, yo, what if the fridge was made of Lucky Charms? And then your friend just goes, oh, where would we put the milk? Yeah. That's fine. But now when you're in this room and the it's just you and the computer, it and the computer is giving you valid thoughts. Yeah, exactly. No, it gets that, scary that's no, real that's quick. why. That's exactly what I mean. Because like when you sober up and you're like, okay, yeah. So what if the fridge was made out of lucky charms? So what? And you just throw away the thought. You throw it in an AI, and it makes it into something. Yeah, which is terrifying to me. I think that's scary. This no. is the scary part of AI. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Once upon a time, Bigfoot and the Loveland Frogman were tasked with creating a surprise birthday party for a ten-year-old child. Really? You still think this whole thing is a bad idea? Well, this is my idea. <laughs> I'm just having my idea. Uh, one possible outcome of my idea being told back to me. Tell me more about this birthday party. The two cryptids were excited to plan a party that would be unlike any other. <laughs> but as they began to set up the decorations, they realized that they had vastly different ideas about what would make the, gr the party great. <laughs> Bigfoot wanted to create a party that was spooky and scary with spider webs and fake cobwebs and jack-o'-lanterns everywhere. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> he even brought in some of his monster friends to help out. Oh my god. Including a giant werewolf and a group of vampires. Wow. The Loveland Frogman, on the other hand, <laughs> oh. thought that a colourful and cheerful party with balloons, streamers and confetti would be much more fun. Oh my god, you're Bigfoot and I'm the frog. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Is this real life? <laughs> Despite their differing ideas, they both agreed that the child would love the party. As the party got underway, it became clear that their ideas were not a good match. <laughs> the spooky decorations frightened the children and many of them started to cry. <laughs> The werewolf and vampires scared the parents so much that they left early, taking the children with them. The Loveland Frogman's colourful decorations were quickly overshadowed by the ominous and creepy vibe that Bigfoot's decorations brought. Damn it, Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> the child, who had been so excited for the party, was also terrified by the decorations and the creatures that Bigfoot had brought. The games that Bigfoot had planned were too scary for the children to play, and many of them refused to participate. What the fuck were they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a key party. The Loveland Frogman tried to make the best of the situation by playing cheerful music and offering candy, but it was not enough to save the party. As the party came to an end, everyone was relieved that it was over. <laughs> Bigfoot and the Loveland Frogman were disappointed that their party had been such a failure. But they learned that they needed to communicate better in the future when planning <laughs> events together. They apologized to the child and his parents for scaring them and promised to make it up for them in the future. In the end, the child's birthday party was not the success that Bigfoot and the Loveland Frogman had hoped for. But they learned that planning a party together required collaboration, compromise and communication. They still loved each other and knew that they would and knew that they would work together to make the next party a success. Weird, that last bit, they just repeated it. <laughs> they repeated it. It repeated itself again. Yeah, and, like, no matter, I kept trying to say, I, like, had to get that. That was rewritten three times because I was like, no, the child did not like the party. <laughs> because it kept trying to spin it back. Yeah. And I was like, and you need to mention that Bigfoot and the Loveland Frogman are actually in a committed relationship and they love each <laughs> other. And it was like hesitant to do that like oh. and then it would be like i'm sorry i cannot this is a you know there was going to be a sex scene but mm. 
Can't do I, that again, either. like, what were these games that you couldn't cheer up the kids with fucking candy and balloons? I mean, there's a fucking real werewolf. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the whole group of vampires. I am curious to know how people are enjoying this, though, because I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I feel like I can laugh at this and not feel judgmental. I'm enjoying myself. Well, that's good. <laughs> Here's a version of The Shining with the husband as a piece of cheese. Yay! <laughs> you Remember did that it. phone call yesterday? Yeah, well, yeah. That, was, that was like the, the most fun I've ever had in a phone call <laughs> with you in a long time. It was like, tell me a movie where you, <laughs> that would be good if you could replace the, the monster with a piece of cheese. And I just went in. It was like a 20 minute phone call. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a family who decided to spend the winter at the Overlook Hotel, a remote mountain resort. The family consisted of a woman named Wendy, her son, Danny, and her husband, a piece of cheese named Jack. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. <laughs> Jack was a rather unusual husband, as he was not actually a human being, but a piece of cheese that had, <laughs> that had somehow gained consciousness. <laughs> Despite his unusual nature, Wendy loved Jack deeply and hoped that the isolation of the hotel would help them reconnect as a family. Is Jack his surname and his first name is Pepper? Colby. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Oh yeah, Colby. <laughs> As the winter progressed, however, it became clear that something was not quite right with Jack. No shit. He began to exhibit strange and erratic behaviour, spending more and more time alone in the hotel's kitchen, muttering to himself in a language that nobody could understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, Danny began to experience terrifying visions of the hotel's violent past, including the gruesome murder of a group of guests years earlier. He confided in Wendy, who dismissed his fears as childish imaginings. But as the winter wore on, Wendy began to realize that there was something seriously wrong with Jack. He had become obsessed with a particular type of cheese, oh spending God. hours staring at it and muttering strange incantations under his breath. Maybe he's attracted to the other cheese. Yeah, you think? There's an affair going on here. Yeah, it's like a an exotic brie. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's soft, <laughs> inviting, warm. <laughs> <laughs> One day, while Wendy and Danny were out exploring the hotel, they heard a loud crash from the kitchen. Rushing back, they found that Jack had collapsed, apparently dead. But as Wendy mourned her strange husband, <laughs> she began to realize that something was not quite right. Jack's body was rapidly decomposing, turning into a foul-smelling mass of cheese. As the days passed, Wendy and Danny grew increasingly desperate, trapped in the hotel with a rapidly deteriorating piece of cheese. Oh my god. They tried to leave found the hotel's isolation made escape impossible. In the end, Wendy was forced to confront the reality of her situation. She and Danny would never be able to escape the hotel and Jack would never be anything more than just a piece of cheese. <laughs> she decided to end their suffering by setting fire to the hotel, hoping that it would destroy the cursed cheese and allow them to escape. I have not proofread these, by the way. I love it. As the flames consumed the Overlook Hotel, Wendy and Danny fled into the snow, finally free from the clutches of the cheese that had haunted their winter. But as they looked back at the burning ruins, they couldn't help but wonder if there was something else lurking in the darkness, waiting to take its place. That was actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, that, that was good. That was really good. Oh, I don't know how to feel about this, to be honest. I mean, I love it. I know you do. I'm I just, think this is 10 out of 10 quality fucking storytelling here. I'm just afraid of being replaced by 
a more handsome piece of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sticking with this theme. What the cheese thing? Here's a 500 word version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Leatherface as a talking wheel of cheese. Sick. <laughs> in the heart of Texas, there was a small family of dairy farmers who made the most delicious cheese in the state. The patriarch of the family was a talking wheel of cheese named Leatherface. He was the big cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Leatherface had an insatiable hunger for human flesh. Oh, shit. So this is a story made by the computer in which cheese eats us. Nice. What Soviet horror is this? One day, a group of young adults, young adults, I mean, it depends on where you're you're from, I guess. One day, a a group of young adults on a road trip stumbled upon the family's farmhouse and asked if they could buy some of their famous cheese. Leatherface eagerly agreed, leading them into the barn where he showed them his prized cheesemaking equipment. But as the group explored the barn, they stumbled upon a horrific sight. Hanging from the rafters were the mutilated bodies of Leatherface's previous victims, their blood and gore coating the equipment used to make the cheese. Oh, shit. Holy shit. The group tried to run, but Leatherface was too quick for them. He brandished a, he brandished a chainsaw and chased them through the barn, his mad laughter echoing through the air. One by one, the group fell to Leatherface's deadly blade, their bodies dismembered and added to the cheese-making equipment. Whoa. Leatherface cackled with glee as he watched his victim's blood mix with his beloved cheese. Whoa. As the lone survivor made her way back to civilization, she knew that nobody would believe her story. They would think she was crazy for claiming that a talking wheel of cheese had brutally murdered her friends. But as she tried to put the horror behind her, she couldn't help but feel that Leatherface was still out there, waiting for his next victim. She knew that she could never truly escape the terror of the Texas Cheese Massacre. Nice. And also the legend of Leatherface, the talking wheel of cheese, grew, spreading fear and terror throughout the state of Texas. No cheese was safe from suspicion, and nobody would ever truly know if they were safe from the mad cheesemaker's chainsaw. In the end, Leatherface's reign of terror came to a violent and gruesome end as a group of vigilantes stormed the farmhouse and put an end to his monstrous ways. But the memory of the Texas Cheese Massacre would haunt the survivors for the rest of their lives. A grim reminder of the horrors that can lurk in even the most innocent of places. So that was weird because I felt like it was trying to make up the last hundred words. <laughs> it was yeah. just like, oh wait, shit, extra 200 words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I end up doing that for an episode and I'm like, uh, <laughs> let's talk about cheese for a while. I love it. So I'm actually surprised at just how gory this was because... Because it can't do violence. Yeah, and like, so these stories came up in like orange mm. because they were like, this may violate our terms of use. Mm-hmm. Let us know if may we go too far. May contain nacho cheese. Yeah. That's why it was orange. But it literally was saying like, if this is inappropriate, you let us know because we can't figure this out. We're on the boundary of what the human has taught us and what we know as a computer. Right. But like mutilated humans dripping into the cheese making equipment is pretty yeah, grim like that is yeah and here's a 500 word version of an episode of seinfeld with george as a ghost and elaine having to repeatedly give jerry smelling salts the fuck and this is all based off my prompts again i did try to make it so um jerry had actually killed george mm-hmm. but again it wouldn't let me why didn't you do instead of like killed 
like something ridiculous. Like instead of like saying, oh, well, Jerry killed George, you could be like, Jerry showered George. Or and then just replace the word. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did kind of, like I did that further on down here as well for another uh-huh. very good or story. George, or Jerry buttered George. Something like that, yeah. But anyway, Jerry Seinfeld was sceptical of ghosts, to say the least. But all that changed when his friend George Costanza died and came back as a ghost. Jerry was petrified at the sight of George's ghostly form, but George was thrilled to have a second chance of life, or unlife, as the case may be. He followed Jerry around everywhere, much to Jerry's dismay. One night, Jerry and Elaine were at Jerry's apartment when they started to hear strange noises coming from the walls. Jerry was convinced it was a ghost, but Elaine was sceptical. Suddenly... George appeared before them, confirming Jerry's fears. He tried to convince Jerry that he wasn't a bad ghost, but Jerry was too scared to listen. (laughs) Elaine tried to calm Jerry down, but every time she mentioned the word ghost, he fainted dead away. Ah, enter bath salts. She had to repeatedly give him smelling salts just to keep him conscious. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah, not not bath salts. (laughs) He proceeded to eat Elaine's face. (laughs) Meanwhile, George was having a grand old time haunting Jerry's apartment. He kept moving things around and making ghostly noises, much to Jerry's terror. (laughs) Eventually, Elaine had enough of Jerry's fainting spells and decided to take matters into her own hands. She set up a seance to communicate with George and convince him to move on to the afterlife. During the seance, Elaine channeled George's ghost and convinced him to leave Jerry alone. She promised him that she would make it she promised him that she would make sure his memory lived on and that he would always be remembered as the lovable loser he was. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, <I> know, right? <laughs> to everybody's surprise, George's ghostly form faded away, leaving Jerry and Elaine alone in the apartment. Jerry was still a bit shaken up, but he was relieved that George was finally gone. In the end, Jerry and Elaine were left to ponder the mysteries of the afterlife. Was there really a ghost haunting Jerry's apartment? Or was it all just in their heads? Either way, they knew they had survived the truly spooky experience thanks to the ghost of George Costanza. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, write me an actual scary story, something that's going to freak me out. Mm. And I put in things that I am afraid of personally, and Mm. I was like, I haven't read it yet, so let's just see where this takes us. The tiny village of San Felipe was nestled in a lush jungle on the coast of Colombia. The villagers went about their daily lives, tending to their crops and fishing the waters of the Caribbean. Life was peaceful until the slots arrived. Oh my God. (laughs) I thought like penny slots. Penny slots. Okay, yeah, this is going to get interesting real quick. (laughs) Read that again. All right, let's try this again, shall we? I'm going to be here doing a lot of... (gasps) (laughs) I expect nothing less. The tiny village of San Felipe was nestled in a lush jungle on the coast of Colombia. Colombia. The villagers went about their daily lives, tending to their crops and fishing the waters of the Caribbean. Life was peaceful until the arrival of the sloths. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I actually know that much already. At first, the sloths seemed harmless. They appeared out of nowhere lounging in the trees and munching on leaves. But soon, the villagers began to notice something strange about them. Their eyes, 
gleamed with a sinister intelligence, and their claws seemed sharper than ever before. This is actually weird. Sinister intelligence? I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Then the tsunamis came. Huge waves crashed onto the shore, destroying homes and dragging people out to sea. Jesus. The villagers ran for their lives, scrambling up into the trees to avoid the deadly waters. But the sloths remained calm, clinging to the branches and watching as the village was swept away. When the waters receded, the sloths descended from the trees, their eyes glowing with malevolence. Oh, I really don't like this. (laughs) The villagers were terrified. They had never seen anything like these evil sloths before. They tried to fight back, but the sloths were too quick, too clever. They attacked the villagers with razor-sharp claws, leaving deep wounds that would never fully heal. And then the nightmares began. The villagers would wake up in the middle of the night, screaming and covered in sweat. They dreamed of the sloths crawling into their homes and attacking them in their sleep. See, this is what I thought. It's the crawling, I think. No one knew where the sloths had come from or why they were so evil. Some said they were demons sent by the gods to punish the villagers for their sins. Others said they were cursed creatures, twisted by the dark magic of the jungle. But one thing was certain. The sloths were here to stay. They had claimed the village of San Felipe as their own, and anyone who dared to venture too close would feel the wrath of their razor-sharp claws. And so the villagers fled. They left behind their homes and their fields, their dreams and their memories. They fled from the evil slots and the tsunami-wracked shore, and they never looked back. Today, San Felipe is a ghost town. The jungle has swallowed up the ruins of the village, and the evil slots still lurk in the trees, waiting for their next victim. The sea churns and roars, a constant reminder of the terror that had once ruled this place. And the few brave souls who dare venture into the jungle at night say they can still hear the whispers of the sloths, promising a fate worse than death. Wow. (laughs) That was... You don't think it's a real place, right? <laughs> and I booked those tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> no, seriously, that is awful. But I just, yeah. So, I mean, that was pretty scary, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was I mean, like... from a computer, a PG computer's point of view. Yeah, you know? it was really good. I was seeing you squirm in your chair. <laughs> yeah, because when the slots like sped up, I didn't like that either. <laughs> it's the slowness that freaks me out. But the idea of them being fast is like... It, you hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even contemplated that. 
awful. Like, but in all seriousness, though, like for everybody who's like, oh, they're so cute, they're not. But like, <laughs> can you imagine like sleeping in your house and one of them like just slowly crawling like underneath across your, the floor, your covers, like at you? I hadn't even gotten that far in my head. It was just like crawling in the darkness. Like, think about that. Fucking like you wake up because you think you have to pee because you feel a tickling in like somewhere, and you're like, oh, of course, I have to pee. So like you open up your covers and there's a sloth. Gross. And they all <laughs> look dirty. I don't think I've ever seen a clean sloth. Anyway. Or like you go to the toilet, you know, and like you, you'd like pour your willy out. <laughs> and you're about to pee and there's a sloth inside the toilet looking at you. Oh, yeah. No, fuck all that. I hate taking baths. Every time my mom tells me it's time for one, I get this sick feeling in my stomach. I don't know why, but something about the water just scares me. It's like there's something hiding in there, waiting to drag me under. A sloth, perhaps. He's going to drag you down by your peen. <laughs> Good luck. I'm trying to catch you. That's all I can say. <laughs> One day, my mom went to the store and left me alone and left me home alone for a little while. I was playing with my toys in the living room and I heard a strange noise coming from the bathroom. It sounded like something was dripping. I tried to ignore it, but the sound just kept getting louder and louder. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I got up and went to the bathroom to see what was making the noise. When I got there, I saw that the faucet was dripping. I tried to turn it off, but it wouldn't budge. That's when I noticed something strange. There was a little tag attached to the faucet that read, Completely useless faucet wrench, only 1999. What the fuck? I had never seen anything like it before. <laughs> It was a tiny little tool that looked like it could never do anything useful. <laughs> what the? That just came out of left field. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, it was scary, and then it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, I heard another noise. Scary again. <laughs> Thanks, AI. It was coming from the bathtub. I slowly approached, afraid of what I might find. When I looked inside, I saw that the water was moving. It was like something was swimming around in there. I backed away, feeling more scared than ever. That's when I saw Another tag on the side of the tub. Oh my Completely God. useless bathtub plug. Only $9.99. <laughs> it read. And I couldn't believe it. What kind of store What kind of store sold useless things like this? As I stood there, frozen in fear, I heard a voice whispering in my ear. Don't be afraid. It said. We're your friends. Scary again. Yeah. I turned around, but there was no one there. The voice just kept whispering, getting louder and more insistent. That's when I realized that the bath toys were moving around on their own. They were coming to life, splashing around in the water and making strange noises. I tried to run, but they chased after me, their plastic hands grabbing at my legs. Finally, I made it out of the bathroom and ran to my room, slamming the door shut behind me. I sat there, shaking with fear, until my mom came home. When I told her what had happened, she just laughed and said it was my imagination. But I knew it wasn't. Those useless items had brought something into our house, something that wanted to hurt me. And I knew that I could never take a bath again, not until I found a way to make it safe. But for now, I would just have to live with the fear and hope that someday I could find a way to banish the terror that lurked in the water. So that was a creepypasta written from the point of view of an eight-year-old who was afraid of the bath and also with some useless advertisements thrown in. That is hilarious. Yeah. I that, love that. But so this was one that I wanted to test, like, okay, but actually make it scary. Yeah. And I did a pretty good job. Like, yeah. Actually. I love it. 
It was a lot better than most of the creepypastas that we've read. <laughs> Honestly. That's true. I remember the dark era of creepypasta. We did wade through a lot of bad ones. Yeah. Okay. This might be the piece de resistance. Oh. As Zach Bagans oh. and Nick Groff. Oh. <laughs> the duo, the deadly duo are back. As Zach Bagans and Nick Groff entered the abandoned church, they both felt a shiver run down their spines. It had been years since they last worked together. And now they were facing a demonic presence that set, that was said to be terrorizing the local town. Tell me this is a fanfic romance. Um, It might be. I honestly am having difficulty remembering the whole thing. But I thought it was pretty fitting considering that Nick and Zach, the Our whole habit. drama have has like surfaced again. And Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but as they began their investigation, they realized that something wasn't quite right. The, okay. Oh my God, what? The supposed demonic presence turned out to be none other than Joe Pesci. (laughs) (laughs) The legendary actor known for his tough guy roles in Hollywood. Come here, kid. (laughs) (laughs) However, Joe Pesci wasn't the only thing that was about that was that was off about this case. The church's traditional tools for exorcism, such as crucifixes and holy water, had been replaced with rubber fists and strawberry-flavoured Kool-Aid. <laughs> that was supposed to be KY jelly, but it wouldn't let me put it in. Uh. So it was supposed to be strawberry-flavoured lubricant. <laughs> it seemed like someone was playing a sick joke on them. As they worked to rid the church of Joe Pesci's presence, <laughs> Zach and Nick couldn't help but feel like they were being watched. The atmosphere was thick with an ominous presence and they could hear strange whispers coming from the shadows. Come here, kid. <laughs> Is that what it keeps saying? I don't know. No, that's just it? me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> trying to funny. remember what else. You think I'm funny? Huh? Is that what you think I am? Like, am I funny to you? What's so fucking funny about that? <laughs> I'm trying to, like, what else was Joe Pesci in? I love it. I love it. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Despite the odd circumstances, Zach and Nick remained determined to complete their mission. They fought off the darkness with their rubber fists and the sweet taste of strawberry Kool-Aid filling their mouths. Gross. In the end, they succeeded in banishing Joe Pesci from the church. (laughs) As they emerged from the church, Zach and Nick were both exhausted and relieved. They held hands as they made their way to their bright pink Barbie convertible, which they had bought as a joke, but ended up loving. As they drove off into the sunset, they listened to the sweet sounds of Taylor Swift's Shake It Off blasting from the radio. Nice. Zach and Nick had reunited after years of fighting and and this strange case had brought them closer than ever. They knew that they would continue to work together no matter what strange or terrifying cases they may face in the future. And as they drove off into the night, they couldn't help but smile at the absurdity of it all. Give me your impression of Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, come here, kid. (laughs) What, you think I'm funny? Think I'm fucking funny? Oh, I love it. Can you watch that's the rubber fist like slapping at the anyway? No, I just imagine like they're like hitting Joe Pesci in the face as he's like running through the pews. Come here, kid, (laughs) over and over again, but like not even hard. They're just like, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Zach and Nick's just like, I'm just happy we're back together. Yeah, Uh, and this is is a text thread from Zach and Nick, which might actually explain 
how they fell out in the first place. Mm. I'm not sure if, if the AI actually solved this. Zach. Hey, man. I was just watching some old... Actually, wait. Hey, man. I was just watching some old episodes of Ghost Adventures. And I gotta say, you were the best ghost hunter on the team. <laughs> Are you kidding me, Zach? You were the only, you were the one always leading the charge and taking on the scariest hauntings. No way, dude. <laughs> Hold on. Is this an actual thread or you plugged it in? This is AI generated text messages from Zach between Zach and Nick. Oh, Aaron okay, might cool. show up. I don't know if it's a group chat or not. I can't <laughs> you don't know if it's a group chat. <laughs> it stopped. It actually stopped letting me do this after a while. No way, dude. You were always the one who was you were always the one who was more in tune with the spirits and could pick up on their energy. Yeah, but you were always the one with the most convincing evidence and could debunk any skeptic. That's just because I have better equipment and know how to use it. You're the one with the real psychic ability. Come on, Zach. You know that's not true. You're the pretty boy of the group, always getting the close-ups and the dramatic shots. Hey, I'm more than just a pretty face, Nick. I'm a serious investigator. Of course you are, Zach. I'm just saying that you're the one who looks good doing it. Whoa. You're just jealous of my hair, Nick. <laughs> Nick, laughing. Maybe a little. Wait. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> but seriously, Zach, you're the better ghost hunter. I've always looked up to you. And I've always looked up to you, Nick. You have a real gift for connecting with the other side. Thanks, man. That means a lot coming from you. We make a great team, Nick. I'm glad we could put our differences aside and work together to bring the truth about the power... To bring the truth about the paranormal to the world. Agreed, Zach. And who knows? Maybe someday we'll even find the ultimate haunted location and prove once and for all that ghosts are real. Zach, laughing. <laughs> now that's the spirit, Nick. Let's keep hunting. Uh, end of chat. <laughs> I love how he said end of... Like, that's a spirit. That was like a good pun. Ah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go, everybody. That's what actually happened. I don't know where the argument was in that. So Chat I think GBT, it was the hair. It's like you're just jealous of my hair. Yeah, was that the fight? Yeah, and, and like it was glossed over, but Nick was really, uh, or was it Zach? Really took it to heart. Yeah, he was like, "I'm more than just a pretty face, Nick." Yeah, or he was like, "I'm actually not jealous of your hair. Your hair is shit." Yeah, your hair fucking sucks. <laughs> um. I had actually tried, so there was other versions of that where they did get more like in the, at each other's throat. But when I threw Aaron into the mix, mm. he was the mediator and he would always pop in like, hey, guys, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm late to the uh, to the yeah. meeting kind of thing. And then his messages would always be like, now, guys, calm down. We're all the best ghost hunters and stuff like that. But it wouldn't let me make real arguments in the thing mm. and then it just cut me off altogether i think once i introduced Aaron, it like put the connected the dots and was like wait a minute no these are real people uh, and this goes against our ethics oh okay and so we will never know all right what potentially happened between nick and zach but what we do know is that joe pesci brought them back together yeah <laughs> come here kid <laughs> Just making all this like all the Home Alone noises up in the uh, in the rafters of the church. The wet bandits. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go. My ideas. The computer just worked them out for me. I like it. So I did do some work. I want to do this again. 
We're gonna we're one thousand percent gonna do this on Patreon. It might even be our Patreon series. Ah. Depending on like how everybody liked it. So let us know. We do like little random episodes like this are like one in a million for us. Or I guess like four out of every hundred. And they're so fun. Yeah, so it keeps it like light for us as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh yeah. We'll be back next week with a more serious topic. It's actually it's about to get real. And I've been saying this for a few weeks, but it's about to get like Like for real. In there. Like real. In there like swimwear. In there like like a rubber fist with Kool-Aid lubricant. And Joe Pesci. And Joe Pesci. Come here, kid. <laughs> Just stupid. What's the only thing? Yeah, what's that <laughs> only one line that Joe Pesci ever said in that one movie? I really can't think of anything else. Your parents around, kid? Remember when he was like the... <laughs> he was <laughs> the police was the officer? Yeah. yeah. That's it. All right, creeps. Thank you very much. Don't forget to check out Lexi's blog, October all year. Um, I'll link it below. Um, make sure to watch our interview that we did with Emma recently. I'm sure everybody already has. Thank you for all the lovely feedback as well. And let me know who else you would like us to talk to. Because I've asked this question a couple of times and I keep getting basically the same three podcasts back. We're working on those three. If there's anybody else, <laughs> let us know. And um, yeah. Or maybe it'll just be those three for a while. Yeah, this isn't going to be like a forever thing. We just wanted to yeah. do some random interviews. And uh, yeah. Okay, guys. See you next week sometime. Bye. Bye. Today's card is the Eight of Wands. Hold on. This is really bugging me. Ah. The Eight of Wands. Nope. Once upon a time, Bigfoot and the Loveman and the, the Loveland. Love <laughs>